This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 62. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited today. I am at a scrapbooking retreat in Capac, Michigan, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I am going to record a podcast today with three of my friends and also technicians that work with me at my veterinary hospital. And we are going to record a podcast today for you on being a technician, what it's like to be a technician and all the things. So I'm super excited to have these three ladies with me today. And I just think we're going to have a really good time talking about all things veterinary technician. Okay, everyone, welcome to the podcast, ladies. I'm so excited we're here today. Say hello. 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 (laughs) So um, if you guys could just, uh, we'll go around and introduce yourselves a little bit and tell me a little bit about yourselves and how long you've been technicians. And I know all the things, but the people on the podcast don't know. So who wants to go first? I can go first. Becky? My name's Becky, and I graduated from Macomb Community College in 1987 And other than a very short period of time of not being a technician, I have been working as a tech either in full-time or part-time positions since my graduation. I am actually back at the practice that I first started at when I first graduated, so it's kind of funny. How many practices have you been at? I have been at... um, I've been at a general practice. I did work at a referral service as a cardiology technician. I've worked at um, emergency. And then I also worked for Macomb Community College as one of their lab assistants in the vet tech program. And now you're back at Warren Woods? And now I'm back at Warren Woods. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nicole, you want to give your background? Sure. I'm Nicole. Um, I graduated from Macomb Community College in 2008. Um, I've been primarily working at Warren Woods as a licensed technician, but I'm really passionate about exotics too. So working with reptiles and birds and small mammals. So I um, did an internship at the Detroit Zoo and did a lot of work at local pet stores over the years. Um, I briefly worked at the technician program at Wayne State. I think that's pretty much my history. Okay. Our Carolyn. My name's Carolyn. I've been a licensed vet tech since 1985. Um, also had a brief stint away from veterinary medicine working at a family business, uh, running the office. So that was enjoyable working with my family. Came back to the same practice I had left, which was Warren Woods Veterinary Hospital. Um, I actually have a bachelor's degree in animal science, uh, concentration equine management which I really have never used uh, other than for my own personal horses. Um, I enjoy working with dogs, cats, and horses, and I do raise orphan kittens. I enjoy uh, saving little kittens that are very sick and teaching others to do so. I've worked at probably five different practices, a very short stint at the Macomb Community College Vet Tech Program, worked at emergency and a few day practices. And that brings me back up to uh, present day. I am at Warren Woods Veterinary Hospital currently, and I do inventory management, which I really enjoy. Ugh, I don't like that. (laughs) No, inventory management is just, I would think of it... It's too tedious for me. Like I, I the detail. Oh yeah. yeah, but you like it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I would do more of it. Yeah, I would like to organize inventory and streamline it, and maybe even do that for other hospitals. Would be a fun job for me. Yeah, computer. And... That's something that you could actually do probably. Yeah. With, with some of the corporate practices now. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you, what would you guys like to tell about why you decided to become vet techs? Like, what is it about the profession that appealed to you or how did you get into this career? It was an accident for me. I was going to Oakland and didn't know what I wanted to go into. 
I thought at one point I wanted to be a veterinarian, but then I found out all the chemistry and math you needed. I'm more arts and language skilled than chemistry and math. And my mom brought a brochure home one day about a veterinary technician. I'd never heard of it because we didn't have pets growing up. And she thought I'd like doing it because um, of an associate's degree. I said, yeah, that looks like fun. So signed up and signed up kind of late in the season to where I didn't get in right away, but because there was a wait list and people dropped off, I was able to get in that first semester that I applied. And then you just enjoyed it? And yeah. Once you figured out uh, what it was all about? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learned a lot. I never heard of things like heartworm or, you know, certain parasites. Uh, it was very eye-opening not ever having a dog or a cat. The science of it. things, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what appeals to a lot of us when we mm -hmm. get into medicine is the science part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Nicole? How'd you get interested? Well, I know it sounds cliche, but I always wanted to work with animals ever mm -hmm. since I was a kid. Um, and that kind of changed over the years. I wanted to run a rescue. I wanted to be a wildlife rehabilitator. But eventually when I got older and really researched those different careers, vet tech just kind of called to me. Being able to work with clients and, and really help pets um, feel better and, and educate clients um, that just really called to me. And uh, once I did it, I never looked back. So the animal part and the people part mm -hmm. you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy the education part of it too. Educating the, the parents and educating, um, like training new people and training interns. And that really speaks to me as well. I'm kind of on, on the same page as Nicole. I can remember as a very small kid, my brother always had comic books. And in the back of the comic books, there was always an ad for Bell Ray Institute of Animal Technology. <laughs> and I always, I mean, and I was probably, oh, second, third grade. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Really? And so I actually went out to Pennsylvania for one semester because they had told me that I would be qualified to be a veterinary technician, but unfortunately the school was more agricultural based and it was quite expensive. So I ended up coming back to Michigan, applied for the technician program at Macomb because that was the closest to my house and got in that following, beginning of that following year and have loved it ever since. Didn't look back. Huh? No, I've, I've always wanted to do it and I, I still, after being in it over 30 years, I still like what I do most days. <laughs> yeah, most days, <laughs> most for days. sure. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit because that's kind of what the podcast is about. Let's talk about the hard days. Like what what would a hard day look like and how do we deal with that? You know, if, if we're having a, a busy day or a stressful day, do you guys have any stories or advice about those kind of things because we all know that that happens yeah, in our profession two parts to that because you could have a hard day because you have a lot of sick animals or a lot of euthanasias that you can't help and then on the other side you'd have a hard day because it is busy but you feel overwhelmed because you can't help everybody you've got people waiting complaining phones are ringing off the hook feels like you don't have enough help if people are on vacation or sick, uh, you just feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, so there's two kinds of hard days emotionally, I guess, and I don't know what you call So which do you think is worse? Like is a hard day where there's a lot of sad cases or when you're just too busy? Like what what's more difficult or do you think they're, they both can be as difficult? I think mine is when I like to be steady busy. I like to, you know, be able to finish up with something and then move on to the next thing. I don't like leaving little pieces here and there because my personality is if I leave it and don't finish it, I may forget about it. Um, the emotional thing I've kind of learned over the years, you get upset in the moment and you may think back on something, but and ultimately you're helping that animal one way or another. Whether it's a sad case or right, not. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I've learned to not let that affect me as much because if you do, if you take that in all the time, it's just going to eat away at you. And it's it's something that I think is great that we can do for animals, you know, especially if it comes to euthanasia, where they don't have to suffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, we talk about that a lot on the podcast, that most of the time the way we feel 
is all about how we think about things. And so there's one way to think about a euthanasia as being very sad and feeling sorry for the client. And, and that's all valid. Like those sad feelings are valid and we want to feel them. But also if we can think about it in another way that we're actually helping that pet pet and the client, mm-hmm. we're helping the client get through a really difficult time with the pet who's suffering. And we're also helping the pet then we can feel better about that situation, you know, exactly. even though we still feel, we choose to feel sad, but we don't take it personally or beat ourselves up about it because we know that we're helping. Yeah. And I think that that is a skill that, um, that we need to learn as veterinarians and technicians. I agree with Becky. I think, you know, you go in waves of losing pets you don't know or losing those you've known their whole life. And it's really sad. Like, come out crying. I could start crying now thinking about it. Yeah. But ultimately there, I know we're doing the best for the pet. I tell the owner, this is the last good thing we can do for them. Right. You hug it out. And I feel good knowing I was there for those people that I've known for so many years. And that's part of our um, job, right? Yeah. I feel to good. To be there for I the could, people. See, I'm tearing up. I yeah. Could, I could be there for them. Yeah. They depend on us. And, you know, human... Uh, when you have a human death, you have the funeral director who's had training. So we act kind of as a funeral director, which that doesn't bother me because like I said, I know we're helping this pet ultimately. I can be there for those people that I know. And eventually they'll hopefully come back with another pet and the cycle continues. Um, you know, loss, obviously part of life and being there for that part, somebody has to do it. And I know I'm good at empathizing with people so I feel good knowing I could be there for them so I'll go home and I'll miss this dog or that cat or be sad for this person but it doesn't tear me up as much as um, if we had a bad day where we had some clients yell at us or we were just so behind that we couldn't get things done and I feel frustrated about that that to me is a worse bad day than losing a few pets that I've loved yeah, that the actual mental stress of yes. being overwhelmed because of the busyness of yes. the day and not being and, able to do all the right. things that you need to do. And yeah. feeling, I guess you feel pressure that you have to get things done and right. certain things have to be done by the end of the day. And at one point you you kind of give up. I, I, I call it, I shut down. Yeah. I shut down and I can't take it anymore. I can't do anymore. And I just say, you know what, I'm going to have to leave some of that. Yeah. And I think you have to learn that it's okay to sometimes leave things. Well, right. I think a lot of us in this profession have a tendency to want to be perfectionistic. And that's part of our downfall. Yeah. Nicole wants to talk about that. (laughs) Talk a little bit about that, Nicole, because you you are a good perfectionist. I'm a huge perfectionist. Yeah. Talk about that. How do you deal with that? I have a really, really hard time not being perfect and letting things go. Um, And that's something I battle every day. I don't know what the answer is because I'm still dealing with it. I don't know. It's, it's a hard battle. I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is just realizing that none of us are perfect, yeah. even though we think we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to realize that we're just human beings and all human beings have flaws and all human beings have limits. Right. Like Carolyn mm-hmm. was saying, she has a limit to how busy the day can get and then she just shuts down. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might not have the same limit that you have. Right. There might be people that can better handle those days. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing that none of us are perfect and that we have to cut ourselves some slack. Because a lot of the veterinarians that I work with and the veterinary technicians that I work with as a coach, that is their primary problem, Mm -hmm. is the fact that they think they're supposed to Mm -hmm. not ever make a mistake, nothing's ever supposed to go wrong, everybody's supposed to live happily ever after, and that's just not life. You know, that just isn't possible. And and we're human, you know, and, and trying to get that, trying to embrace that concept. You know, and you, you still struggle with it. <laughs> I struggle. I know it's a problem. I, I think we all do. It's a problem. Right. I'm working on it, but yeah. it's a struggle. I mean, to say it's not would be a lie. It absolutely. Yeah. Is. I wonder yeah. if it helps. The, sometimes it piles up at the end of the day where some people want to. I want to stay after and get this done, and I'm like, no, that's so me. That's busy work. <laughs> yeah. That can be that's done me. tomorrow. Right. So I don't know if it helps that other techs are giving you permission to let it go until tomorrow. I'm here tomorrow or so-and-so's here tomorrow. They don't mind. They can finish it up in the morning. Um, Let those things go because I think if we keep staying after for things that can wait, we'll end up 
burning out. I think it's uh, burning yourself to... out and, and you don't have a life then, yeah. you know, like you need to go. This is a job. Point. It's not our whole life. And, and I think we sometimes the medications forget that. Can wait. The calls can wait. Well, and mm. stuff like wrapping packs, I'm happy to leave for the next day. I think <laughs> wrapping packs. That's not a problem. So we're, it's a, it's a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Baby stepping. <laughs> All right. So, what? What? How will you handle stress? Like, how do you, how do you go home after a busy day like that, or a depressing day, or a struggle of a day, and and get over that? How How would you recommend that other people handle stress, or how do you handle stress? Well, with a sad day, I'll tell my husband, so and so died, or do you remember me talking about this dog, or do you remember that cat I mentioned, and we'll talk it out, and then I'm like. Yeah, I feel really bad they're missing them tonight and then hug my pets and play ball or, you know, just sit. I sometimes just sit on the couch and veg while my husband will get to carry out some nights or if we're cooking leftovers. So I'll just veg for a little while and pet my animals and talk to them um, and just soak, soak in home. And the fact that I have a longer drive, drive from the city into the country, that's very helpful. Helps you let it go. Yeah, getting away from traffic and and getting into the quiet area. Yeah, and taking care of yourself physically is probably yeah. a really good thing. I, yeah. I have a tendency to forget about that. You know, like you work a 12-hour day and then you go home and you just want to sit on the couch and eat yeah. a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with that? When, yeah, right? <laughs> but, you know, within in reality, we should be, like, exercising and eating well and, you know, taking care of ourselves mentally. But sometimes and, just shut down for a little bit vent to your spouse or a family member if they don't mind and then get it out of your brain your, yeah, so you can let it brain. go because mm-hmm. otherwise you keep eating it eats at you yeah beating and yourself up sometimes if my husband's at home i found uh dr propels mentioned taking keeping journals that that sometimes helps if i'm really upset about something i write it all down it's out of my brain and i can usually forget about it a shower helps me too taking a nice hot shower Helps me decompress. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It just helps me collect my thoughts and kind of just, it's soothing. Let it all go. Soothing process. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I'm more of a, I think about it on my way home and, you know, I still have a younger son at home and usually by the time I get home, I'm like, okay, then I have my things at home I have to do. I'm like, okay, I got to get my coffee going for tomorrow morning because nobody wants me without coffee. Um... (laughs) And, you know, pack Kale's lunch and then make sure that the animals are taken care of and, you know, eat dinner and then I'll sit for a little bit and veg and then it's usually time to go to bed. So kind of separating the work life and the home life. Yeah, I'll think about it on the way home and you know, sometimes if it was a really bad day, I'll call my friend Carolyn and (laughs) vent on the way home. And because my husband Although he's very supportive, sometimes he just doesn't understand. He tries they to put it. it he tries to put it in his work experience, and it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, you know? people that don't do this job don't always understand exactly. the difficulties. So he'll try physically to, and yeah, mentally. He'll yeah, try and spin it in the you know auto industry type thing, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't translate. Yeah. So if I really need to vent, I'll call Carolyn, yeah. and because we work opposite schedules, and a lot of times I'll just. Blah, 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 all the way home. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm in my driveway. I'm going to let you go now. Yeah. And, and then it's then out I'm of fine. Yeah, it's out of my brain. Yeah. And I vented. And that's, I think a lot of times you just need to vent. Yeah. Because if you hold it all in, it's not good. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good point to make is, is it's really important to have friends like we do. Like we, we've all been friends for years, even mm-hmm. though I've kind of been your boss. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more, we have more of a friendship relationship on most instances and just having that those other people in your life that know what this profession is all about so you can talk to them and and they really understand because not everyone that doesn't do this for a job even if they're clients of veterinarians they don't really understand what it's like on the other side of that exam room door what we actually do Mm -hmm. like they really don't have an idea even if they've been through it. So having mm-hmm. other friends in the profession to talk to, I think is super important. So if you don't have that, then that would be a really good coping skill is to find mm-hmm. somebody that you could relate to. And, and it could be one of us. So, right. you know, if you're out there and you need support, give me an email and I'll find you a friend to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 
find you a tech friend yeah, to vent to. Email pen pals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that's what the podcast is about, that. you know, just mm-hmm. letting people know that we're all, we're all in the same boat and that's important. So what, um, I have some questions here that I'm going to try to kind of get the, keep the discussion going. Um, what's the most important advice that anybody's ever given to you about your job or career? Do you, have you had anybody give you like words of wisdom or help you along the way, like in your past? I know that when I used to work for Dr. Mullen and Dr. Evans, they had been working as vets for a long, long time. And, and I was a young vet when I started working for them. And they were always giving me little pieces of advice. And they were really good about, you know, telling me that if you have to leave early because of a family thing, like when my kids were little, they were very supportive. And so I always think of that as a good piece of advice is just focusing on your family, that this is a job mm-hmm. that you get to leave. You know, there's other veterinarians that can take care of the rest of the pets. You're not in charge of all the pets in the world mm-hmm. and that you, you know, you can leave and take care of your, your family. And that's important. Have you I, guys had anybody that kind of I gave don't, you those tools? I don't know if I really have had anybody. I'm sure people have given me advice, but over the years I have learned patience <laughs> yeah, that's something I, that you and I both yes, struggle with. Yes, we both struggle with. And I was very young. You know, when I graduated out of the program, I was 21. And I just thought I was the be all to end all. And, you know, <laughs> over the years, you get knocked down a few pegs and you realize that, that you aren't and nobody ever is going to be. Um, it's humbling. It is humbling. But I've learned a lot more patience over the years and I've always been very lucky to work in places like you said where they're very understanding when it comes to family issues Mm -hmm. or you know just family commitments and I would hope that everybody has that same experience where they work and if they don't then I think either they need to talk to somebody within that practice or if they're not willing to be open to that, you may want to move on. I know a lot of my friends work at places where, you know, they'll post things and they're just so unhappy because, you know, they had this and they couldn't do that. And, you know, I just, you have to have a life outside of the office. Well, and there are hospitals that understand that. Like Mm -hmm. our hospital, I think, and and maybe this is tooting my own horn, but (laughs) I always was under the impression that that was more important. Family's more important than the job. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more important than the money. It's more important than the clients. It's more important than everything. And so that's how I've always tried to run our practice. But people need to realize that there are practices out there that feel that way. Mm -hmm. And that if yours doesn't, or you feel like you're not getting the support that you need, that you can find another place. Oh, yes. You know, I think that's important. My mom always said, everybody's replaceable, so don't take yourself so seriously. You can always have somebody take your job. So if you're unhappy and you have an important job, like the social media, or you're doing the inventory, or you're doing all the reminders or something... Um, don't take yourself so seriously. Somebody else can do that job. Yeah. Don't think you have to stay somewhere because you have to do that. And on the flip side of that, don't get too cocky. It's good to be confident and know you do a good job. But if you get too cocky and what we call, you know, big head syndrome, people around you don't like working with you. If you're acting big and um, like you're all that and nobody else is important and you're the only one that can do this or that, be confident that you can do your job, but don't be so cocky that you make mistakes and don't take advice on certain things or if somebody tries to help you, you ignore them. Um, You don't want to do that. How about you, Nicole? Has anybody ever given you words of wisdom? Yeah, just advice. I can't think of anything that really stands out to me, but something that I always tell our interns when they come through is you really have to be passionate about this career and about animals and clients and this whole encompassing veterinary medicine because it's not the most lucrative career on the planet. Right, and we all know that. Yeah, so you just really, really have to be in it for the animals and the clients and the passion because otherwise you're going to burn out really quick. Yeah. And we so, see that happening sometimes mm-hmm. right? with some of the yeah. the people that are new to it and they don't really understand what they're getting themselves into. Right. You, you have to love it. 
Yeah. You have to really love it. Right, if you had an unrealistic expectation, whether it's from your school or people that um, have been in it, tell them different expectations. But sometimes, I know new techs, you don't make a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to work a couple jobs unless you're living at home or have a, a partner or a spouse to help with the bills. Um, but in that case, keep in mind that to look into other things you can do, be a drug rep with your training, or work at one of the labs um, as a representative or teaching machines or go on to the management programs that they have now for technicians um, and see if you can get a job that way. You'd be paid more and you might have more career opportunities. So keep that in mind too when you're starting out and maybe you're not making a lot of money but you could go in different directions especially if uh, you look at some of the corporations now that need managers. There's just more opportunities for 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 technicians than there used to be. Oh yes, definitely. Use your technical skills and and that passion you have Mm -hmm. uh, but still have the comfort of making money. I know it's not always about money, but sometimes it is about money. Sometimes you need to make enough money to pay for your groceries and uh, have a car that gets you back and forth to work. Right. Well, I think that I think because this profession has grown so much, there are more opportunities for technicians to make money just from the standpoint of, you know, there's all kinds of emergency clinics. You could work extra hours. You could work weekends, you know. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities to make more money if that's your focus and if you need to. Um, Obviously not paid as highly as like a nurse would be. But um, at least it seems that our profession is getting better Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of opportunities for people to branch out and do other things, you know, within the profession, not necessarily having to leave it, you know, and and that's sad to me that some people have to leave the profession in order to just, you know, make yeah. ends meet. Right. Which um, hopefully that's going to change and continue to change. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about a client or pet experience that you thought was really amazing or inspiring. Do you guys have any of those stor- kind of stories? <laughs> like we have, we have Sly, <laughs> Sly the tortoise. Oh, that was a really yeah. cool one that, that Nicole worked story. on. Do you yeah. want to tell his story? Yeah, Sly was a baby hatchling um, sulcata tortoise that a client had bought, and wasn't properly. She wasn't properly educated on how to take care of Sly. Actually, Sly didn't even have a name when he came to us. Um, she wasn't educated on how to take care of him, nor did she do any research. And when he came to us, he we thought he was dead. Yeah. He was so sickly. We honestly thought he was dead. And uh, we, she left him in our care for a few weeks. And we spent so much time. You spent. I, Nicole did all I, the work. I did a lot of work on him, yes. We didn't do much of anything. Um, but we spent a lot of time uh, nursing him and feeding him. And I took him back and forth to my house. And um, and after a few weeks, he made a recovery and he, he looked good, and he's now, I don't even know how old he is Did now. Did we name him Sly? We named him Sly. Because yeah, because Sylvester of Rocky. Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted yeah, him to have a tough everyone name. Everyone knows I love Rocky. Yeah, we wanted a tough name, so we named him Sly, and he's got to be at least 10 years old now, close to. And she kept his he's name. He's with his she owner. She kept his name. He's with his owner. Yeah. He went through how to take yeah. care of him. She took that to heart. Yep. I gave her all the education. She's doing a great job mm-hmm. now. She was in recently, a couple months ago. He's and huge. A, he's doing great. He's big. A family member of hers got a similar tortoise, and she taught them all her husbandry information, and and he's doing great. It was a real miracle, because yeah. we honest to God thought he was dead when he came in. Yeah. He looked so I remember. Bad. Didn't he, we even put like a little uh, cross on his we, on his Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. Because we were like, this thing needs God. Yeah. 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 It was... A true success story. Yeah. With him. yeah. And that, that feels good, right? Yeah. Because you saved him. You mm-hmm. literally did. Like, yeah. that was all you. So, that's I pretty seeing That's Sly. a really cool story. And he, he keeps in. coming back, mm-hmm. like, every year every for his year. checkup. And, bigger and bigger. And he mm-hmm. weighed, like, when we saw him originally, he weighed probably a, a few, few grams. grams. And now yeah. he weighs pounds. Yeah. He's Which probably 20, 30 pounds 20, now. 30. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. That oh, yeah. Yeah. He's big. He's doing great. That's amazing. Yeah. I guess my similar thing would be the kittens. 
people. Yes. Are, How many kittens have you raised? I, mean, I don't know, dozens of <laughs> mm-hmm. from probably more than dozens. Yeah, pro- probably. from a few hours old to the mother was hit while she was having them, and the construction. Oh, I don't remember that. Construction guys saw a cat having kittens on their truck. Oh, jeez. They walked around the truck, startled her away, watched her get hit by a car, and they were like, "What do we do with these oh, tiny babies? They're no. just born." Oh, wow. As uh, Jeffrey Arnold is one of that litter. Oh, and was still, that that litter? Yep, he's still doing great. And I've had some do really well. I'm proud to say I've never lost a kitten. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah that's care. really impressive because I've lost to, a couple. Yeah, I'm able to get them back on the road. Obviously, some have died before coming into our care because right. that's how sickly they were. Uh, but Once you get a hold a of them, feeling. you save them. It's a good feeling to save these little tiny lives that don't have their mom. Uh, they don't have anyone else, and then we adopt them out, and a lot of them go to clients or friends so I can keep tabs on them and the people are so proud that they have this kitten I raised or um, they always want me to come see them. And yeah, they, they love bringing sure them back. Like Sly always sure wants I'm, to see Nicole. And, uh, yeah, your my kittens. friend Sage, who we found on the manure pile. At, <laughs> she was here <laughs> recently. She wanted yeah. to see you. Sage yeah. and yeah. then Tansy and yeah. Sophie. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say if you're a technician out there and you don't have the opportunity to do some of these things, that that is a real, I think it's a real stress reliever. And I think it's a a big boost to this profession if you get to do things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think if we didn't raise kittens that our job would be nearly as fun. You know, it's a lot of work. It is. It's rewarding. It's very very rewarding. rewarding. Because they don't have anyone but you. Right. And it feels good to raise them. And you feel, even if you had a bad day, I was able to save this one. Um, I couldn't help that one, but I could help this one. Right. Well, and I've worked at practices that won't allow that. They won't allow you to do any charity work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of does our mental health a disservice, you know, because I've seen them turn away little tiny baby things that were going to die and and just basically let them die. And and that kind of hurts our ego. That's not why we got into this. And I Mm -hmm. understand that. You know, you can't do charity work all the time because, mm-hmm. you know, then you'd never make any money. But I think just having those few cases mm-hmm. where you can take them on yeah. is important to, you know, staying in this profession mm-hmm. and, and staying passionate about it. Because it really does, it is rewarding that once you mm-hmm. adopt them out. And, and really, a lot of those kittens have become really, really good clients mm-hmm. and spent a lot of money in our practice. Yep. So it really can be also a money-making thing because yeah. it bonds the clients to you. Mm-hmm. Most of those clients come back to us that mm-hmm. adopted our Or and our they'll come back babies. and adopt other kittens because right. they were raised properly yeah. and they're nice cats. Uh, and we have a few dogs that were, for whatever reason, uh, ended up, whether they were abandoned with us yeah. uh, because they parents couldn't pay for things so they signed them over to us to be treated for say parvo like sable yeah sable came to us for all over 13 years until she retired to florida right yeah <laughs> lucky yeah. dog yeah really yeah. i know like we should also be so lucky to be in florida Obviously, right now. we don't have the room to take in dogs or puppies but there's that rare case and those almost all those dogs kept coming to us right yeah so that i think that's that a, a, a really important thing for us you know to as a profession to mm-hmm. to embrace because it shows that your heart that. that it's not all about money which is what you sometimes get when you're having your bad day or if you're answering the phones a lot it's all you care about is money well no if we cared about money we'd be doing something else right mm-hmm. yeah we wouldn't be in this profession yeah, that was our we only, do have definitely. to make money because it's a business but we chose this business because we like the animals and we want to help their their parents and um help the animals do you have any stories becky Um, the only one that i'm thinking of right now would be um kelly the belgian sheepdog oh lord yes and he was terrified of life and we worked with that dog dr evans and i before fear free was even a A inkling in somebody's mind we worked with that dog and we gained his trust and him and I could work with him, and he had come in for surgery one day. And I did, the owner called after we discharged him, and she's like, well, he's bleeding a little bit from his neck. And so I said, well, you better bring him back down. Well, he wasn't bleeding a little bit from his <laughs> neck. It, it, she had a towel around his neck, and it was saturated. 
And I remember Dr. Capel, Dr. Evans, myself working probably until 10, 11 o'clock at night just on that dog. Yeah. On that dog. And he did well. He came through with just a little bit of horners, and that was it. And it was very rewarding that he could still be their pet because they loved that dog. Right, yeah. And he, you and know, he was, came back to the clinic died. for years and years and years. But, yeah. yeah, he was very close to dying that day. Yeah, sure yeah, because he had had, mm-hmm. I think it was like a thyroid tumor Yeah, or it was a thyroid tumor before. Of, Dr. Mullen had removed it or something. Yeah, and it was something be- must have broke loose. Or, before I don't know. a lot of the referral clinics. Oh, it was yeah. before um, any referral yeah. clinics yeah, <laughs> other than MSU. Back then, so we right? had to yeah. do it ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally remember that. Yeah, that was a scary day, but but yeah. it was very rewarding at the end that he did well, and we were able to see him for years to come. Right, right, and he survived, and yeah, yeah, that's a good story. That's a really good one. All right, so what would be your? Maybe we kind of already talked about this, but what would be a like your one key piece of advice that you would give to a technician out there that is maybe struggling with their their career or, you know, worried whether they made the right choice or what would your advice don't be? go it alone. Don't sit and stew. Talk to somebody, whether you contact, you know, Dr. Pell's uh, email or podcast to get a coach or something. Don't sit there and stew because I think that's when you internalize everything and you start feeling bad and you need somebody to tell you, no, you are good at that. Because uh, I've needed that sometimes. No, you're good at this. Yeah. I feel like a failure. You need other people yeah. to Because I'm hearing from the outside out. world that I'm a failure because I don't have a lucrative career like, say, other friends or family. I'm not as successful in their eyes, but I need other people to say, well, yes, you are. Yeah. Well, so think of the skills that we have that people don't have. Like, right. think of we can do something that nobody else can do. Right. Like, even medical doctors can't do some of the things that we can do. You know. So, I think that that's amazing. But that's mm-hmm. that's a good piece of advice: is make sure you reach out for help if you mm-hmm. if you're feeling like well, it's not going well. And if you reach out for help, you have to know too that you. You can't just expect people to change things for you. Right. right. You have to be willing. You have to work on yourself. You have yeah. to definitely work on yourself. And I've had to do that over the years. You know, I was, like I said, I was guilty of the the big head syndrome, <laughs> you know. And I remember when I left Warren Woods to go to the referral practice. Oh, you know, because I did collections. I did inventory. I did right. a lot of things then. And, yeah. oh, they're never going to be able to function. And guess what? They're still there. They you know? right? So you have to be willing to change yourself to be happy. And if you're not yeah. willing to change yourself, nothing's going to magically change it no. for you. Right. No yeah. outside force. No circumstances. Ask for right? help changing your thinking or ask for help looking at things but don't expect outside things to change it for you you have to be able to do the work and if it's leaving the profession you have permission to not be a technician anymore you have permission to do what's best for yourself don't feel like um don't feel like a failure maybe you've done it for 10 years maybe that's how long you were supposed to do it right maybe you're supposed to go on to something else and use your technician skills you know, maybe I am supposed to retire from being a technician and become a, an artist uh, drawing portraits yes, for people. Yes, you absolutely <laughs> are an artist. You're already an artist. Or becoming, uh, you know, behavior is a passion of mine. Right. Maybe I should open my own dog yeah. training place with all the knowledge yeah. I have. Um, but give yourself permission to do something else. Don't sit and stew and, you know, get get help, talk to people, and... Be willing to change yeah, and be willing, willing to, to work on yourself. Yes. Because that's really what it's about. Because it's a hard thing to do. Be willing to grow, too. I mean, I'm at the point in my career where I feel like I've kind of reached my ceiling of where I'm at at Warren Woods as a technician. Right. So I'm back in school getting a business degree. I want to mm-hmm. kind of do more. I don't, right. I don't know and, what that means for me at this right. moment. But I want to do more within veterinary medicine. Right. So I'm at the point where I want to grow. 
Yeah. So you have to be willing to do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You have to be willing to take a hard look at yourself and make and some hard choices. And look for those opportunities, yeah. those newer opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. for technicians. Yeah. Was, you adding those skills together. Right. And who knows, you might invent a job. You could invent I could. Uh, counseling for reptiles, going clinic yeah. to clinic, teaching. Be an entrepreneur. Husbandry. Yeah. yeah. Start your own um, business. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, your drawing business, you're yeah. starting, yeah. Or you're an entrepreneur. There's all kinds of possibilities yeah. there. Mm-hmm. You can be really creative. So what um, what would you guys tell veterinarians that work with technicians like you? So what would you tell somebody like me as a veterinarian um, that could help the veterinarian make the technician's job easier or... What should a veterinarian do to allow you guys to be your best at your job? Does that question make sense? (laughs) Be grateful. Be be grateful, yeah. Not like, oh, you can't do this job without us, doctor. More like, oh, thanks for getting that. Thanks for doing it. And if we are having a busy day, there's only so many technicians. Do some of the technician skills. Pitch in. You do that a lot. A couple couple of the doctors do that a lot. They'll say, "I'm I'm a bad technician here. I'll restrain you, do the blood or whatever. Right. But they do need to step up and do some of those technician jobs if um, if needed. If needed, do a little more teamwork and try not to be up on a pedestal. Which not every doctor is like that, but I have in the past worked with some, some that are. It makes it very difficult because I'm only one person, and in the practice where I was the only employee, I can't do it all. Right. You need to do some of it. So be grateful that you have technicians and, and let them know Just that. Just sort of thanks for doing that yeah. by us once in a while because positive reinforcement. Yeah, if like training the dog. Day after day, <laughs> uh, do this, do this, do this, but never hear, do this. You're awesome at this. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Um, it, it wears, that goes a long way. It wears down on you being, uh, can you do this? It, yes, you're polite. Can you do this? Can you do this? But never hear... Thank you. Thank you. This was a hard day. I realized yeah. that this was a hard day, but thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to realize too, I have observed and been victim to, um, sometimes you may be doing something for one doctor that the other doctor doesn't know about, and they see you maybe what looks like you're just standing there, but you're really not. And to realize that we may be multitasking three or four different things and to just be patient, you know, patience is definitely, like you said, a virtue. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we struggle with that. <laughs> Dr. Capel and I, Yes, but you know, just to be patient and say, Hey, do you have a moment or are you doing something right now? Do you have a second? You know, that goes a long way too. to not, a lot of times, sometimes, or not a lot of times, sometimes it'll come across that, at least in my perception, that some people may think that you're just standing around doing nothing. Right. And it's like, that's furthest from the truth. I right. may be doing 10 different things yeah, right how, now. How rare is it for us to Exactly. But, mm-hmm. you know, there it, it that goes a long way to have somebody just be a little patient and say, hey, are you doing something right now? Do you have a minute to do this for me? Yeah. And, and I don't know too many texts that, you know, hide out, you know, there's going to be some, but <laughs> um, generally most texts are pretty hardworking people and we're there to work with you, you yeah. know, so work with us. So being grateful, being patient. What about you, Nicole? Do you have something that a veterinarian could do to make your job? I think summing it up is just kind of good communication. Just, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we're all talking and, and staying on the same page with everything. Yeah, so we don't get sidetracked. And... Yeah, but I have another note. Trust that sometimes your technician does know what they're talking about. Oh, yes. Yes, like, that is a big one because the... I think a lot of veterinarians don't listen to their techs. They won't. Especially... I've, I've had my butt saved by technicians right. many, many times. Especially... They'll be like, hey, did you think about this, Dr. Capella? And I'll right. be like, oh, crap, I didn't. Or they correct your math. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done math wrong. I mean, you because guys all I've know Because I've seen that. where, well, Dr. So-and-so did this. Is that possible in this case? Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I saw them do it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." Exactly. Or yeah. With that is a big one. The baby kittens. We have. If you have a new grad or new t- new doctor to your practice doesn't know you, I'm telling you what we do with the baby kittens. Right. You're telling me something that we don't do that doesn't work. Yeah. 
please listen to me because well, you've never done yeah, it. Yeah, that is a that is a matter of and respect. Behavior stuff yeah. too. I've been to hundreds of behavior seminars right. and training, and I do know more than some people. Well, I think that's the beauty of this group because if I know if there's a reptile coming in and they need advice we on husbandry, Nicole. I know Nicole can do it way mm-hmm. better than I can. Mm-hmm. And if it's a behavior thing, I know you can do it way better. Mm-hmm. And so just. Admitting that and not being Knowing your so fully yourself, and yeah. If they understand say what their you, strengths are. They're not. We're trying to help, right? We're like, did you remember this? And mm-hmm. I think all of our doctors are pretty good at that. Oh yeah, I forgot they did that. Right. Thanks for reminding yeah. me. Of anything, oh yeah, I've had my butt saved many times going on in your brains. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we're overwhelmed and we're and not sometimes thinking straight. we see the. The basics when you have all the details of a case and we see just the basic thing is that the similar to this yeah and you're like oh yeah i'm so focused on all the other stuff that i forgot yeah. the... so respect patience that's those are all good things okay so let's try to wrap this up here i think we've been going quite a while um let me just ask you some quick fun questions what profession other than yours would you like to attempt like if you had all the professions in the world, what would you want to do? I've honestly thought about this, and I know every year we go to the career fair, yeah, um, and we talk and we to look the around. students, yeah. And I always look around at the careers, and honest to God, there's nothing I would rather do than work with animals. Really, that's amazing. I, maybe I could do something else with animals, like you know, own a pet store or run right. a rescue or something. But I would could never do anything other than animals. Yeah, that's good. I, I agree with you. I would be the same. What I'd about be an you? Artist or a writer? An artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you already are an artist, well. and you are a writer. We still have to write our book. Yeah. <laughs> Carol and I are going to write a book. I'm yeah, just putting are, that out there my, because my we keep saying we're going to do coming that. Coming out of school was to be an artist. Yeah. Uh, coming well, out, out of school, and I never pursued that. Yeah. So, so. look up Carolyn's art on uh, what's the name of your art? Carolyn thing? Mouton Graphite Art. Yeah. So if you want a, a beautiful or... drawing of your pet, Carolyn's out there. She'll... Shameless plug. Yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> For my friends. She's our sponsor on the podcast. What about you, Becky? What would you want to do? Honestly, I. I would not want to do anything else. I I enjoy working with animals. I enjoy most of the clients. Um, I can't think of anything else. I could never sit at a desk. That would just drive me crazy. Um, Well, that was going to be my other question. What would you not like to do? But you're sit at a desk desk job. Yeah, Yeah, that would be torture. Is there anything else that you would hate to do? Hmm. I don't like surgery or dental, so okay. I can keep away from that. <laughs> can far, far away. I just don't like tedious things, like the yeah, tedious monotonous. And I find yeah, surgery and dentals thing. tedious because I have to sit there and watch the doctor do something where I'm like, come on, can you hurry up? Can I do that faster? Can you hurry up and pull that too? <laughs> yeah. I absolutely Let me in can. there. Just get yeah. the uterus out of there and sew that Quickly. All right. Are there any other questions that I didn't ask that we should have asked? Anything that you think is important for technicians? I mean, we can obviously do this again. I think we should. I think this is really fun. But um, is there anything else, like closing words that you think we didn't? I just hope people see that they're not alone. Even if you feel like you're alone, you are not. I always say that on the podcast. I don't know what, millions of people. Oh, gosh, yeah. And don't be embarrassed. Send an email. We don't have, you don't see your face. Right. An email's anonymous yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Ask for help. Don't yeah. go it alone. You've you've probably got friends at work. You have a friend at work that you feel confident. Ask them to go to lunch or dinner. Well, you'd probably be dinner because you know <laughs> lunch <laughs> time for lunch. A late dinner or a weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, ask ask for help. You're you're not alone in how you feel and don't sweat the small stuff yeah 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 that's a that's great advice yeah and i always say that on the podcast and that's why i got into coaching is i think we all we all need coaches we all need people Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist it doesn't necessarily have to be a life coach but it could be a friend or a family Mm -hmm. member that helps you you get through the day that little thing doesn't matter in your grand scheme of your life right let it go you need to let it go nicole yeah They're selling our scrapbooking house. Let it go. Yeah, that's the thing. We're all at the scrapbooking house that we've been at for, what, 10 years, 10 or 12 12, years? 12 for Nicole, and and I can't let it go. And they put it up for sale, so we're all in a little bit of a period of mourning about our our scrapbooking house. But there's always something little that you focus on that really doesn't matter in the grand grand scheme. You might need somebody to say... That doesn't matter. Yeah. What's really important is friendship and love and, yes. you know, doing the right thing yeah. and, and having a great life. And the life. clients, 
do love you. They they see yeah. as part of your family. Yeah, focus on that. Focus on the clients that love you, not the ones that hate you. Because exactly. they're the, always the those love. Do. The ones that love you far yeah. outnumber. They want to see you. They're happy to see you. They mm-hmm. want you to take care of their pet. That, that sorry, that just reminded me. Um, every once in a while, I get a card from a client thanking me for you know whatever I've done, helping yep. them with their pet, whatever. I save those cards. I still have Absolutely. those. And when I have a bad day, I do go back I and read those cards. Yeah, yeah because that important. helps too. Cards yeah, are, like a gratitude journal. Yeah, that's a good idea. Write down send the you positives. Photos. Yeah. yeah. Or they remember you helped them with their one pet saying goodbye. Yeah. And then every other pet they bring in, they want to see you because you touched their heart and you helped them through a hard time. Yeah. And now they, they see you as a friend. Yeah. So that makes the days good. Right. Gooder. 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 Better <laughs> is proper English. All right. Well, we're going to close up here. I hope we get to do this again. I really appreciate you guys doing this. I'm so excited. Hopefully our sound will be good since we're at the scrapbooking house. There's probably some background noise, but... I appreciate you all being out there and listening to the podcast. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, send me an email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com and reach out for help if you want coaching or you just need to um, vent or whatever you need. Or reach get a out pen pal. Or get a pen pal, yeah, because I have these technicians here now that would be happy to be your friend. Um, <laughs> Uh, Thanks for listening this week, and we'll have something else for you next week on the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. That helps us get the podcast out there. I really appreciate you being here, and I hope you have a beautiful week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Say bye, Bye. ladies. Bye. Bye.